The Westwinds Breviary is our gift to you during the shelter-in-place order concerning COVID-19. We offer you hope and healing as lovers and followers of Jesus Christ believing these short online liturgies will elevate your spirits and unify your homes. May God bless you richly as you endeavor to renew your mind and love your neighbor. Good morning! God is thrice holy, an emphasis meant to guide us in holiness. Welcome to Church Online at the West Winds Breviary. Revelation chapter 4. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's the only time in the entire scripture that God has ever given the same attribute three times in a row. Like God is holy, holy, holy. God is never described as being love, love, love. God is never described as being peace, peace, peace. This, this formula, this, this thrice holiness is meant to demonstrate that whatever else God is, whoever else God is, whatever God entails, above it all is his holiness. That's the chief defining characteristic of the being who is an undifferentiated whole. Now, at this point, we might ask ourselves, what does it mean to be holy? Like, what is this thing that God is and has and possesses and demonstrates and effuses? And what, what is it? Well, uh, holiness literally means to be set apart. It's something that was set apart for temple use or temple worship, worship and use. So like if you had a, a special candle lighter, that would be a holy object because you only use it for temple service. You only use it for worship service. Um, but but that's, that's a, a literal clunky definition of holiness. The, the, the real understanding of holiness in the scripture centers around shalom, the word that means peace. And it doesn't just mean peace as in the absence of conflict. No, peace in the, in the biblical nomenclature, peace in the biblical literature means unbroken wholeness between God and ourselves, between us and ourselves, us and other people, and us and, and creation. But, but unbroken wholeness is still a little clunky. So the best definition, then, is to say that holiness means being in right relationship. It means having your relationships really good, optimized, perfect. If you want to be holy, you have to have a right relationship with God. And all kinds of stuff we do compromises that. The way we think, the way we talk, the way we treat other people. I mean, we, we do stuff in our hearts, in our minds, in our imagination that compromises our holy standing, compromises our relationship with God. Holiness means right relationship with, with us, like with, with ourselves. A, a healthy uh, ego, I don't mean a, a, a narcissism, I mean a healthy understanding of self, of personhood, dignity, responsibility. You're not beating yourself up all the time, but you're not elevating yourself either. You're, just, you're, you're centered in somebody made in the image and likeness of your creator, knowing that you have dignity, value, and worth because of God in you, on you, through you, with you. Holiness means having a right relationship with other people. That means your family from whom you may be estranged. That means perhaps somebody who's hurt you and hurt you badly. Now, in no way are we suggesting that this means you're going to go out and become best friends with your victimizer or your abuser. No, no. A right relationship doesn't always mean that you're super proximate, extremely close, and have no boundaries. No, no, no. Right relationship, you'll know what that relationship ought to look like, how that ought to be, and how that ought to be right, and it'll be the Spirit of God that guides you as you make those relationships right. But... 
Holiness means right relationship with others. And holiness means a right relationship with the world, with all of creation. Listen, there is as much material in the Bible about creation, which plants, trees, animals, non-human inhabitants of the world, cultures, language, music, I mean, about the world, the world. There's as much in there about God loving and claiming the world as there is about God loving and claiming people. So you've got to ask yourself what my relationship is like with the world. And here's a great indication. If you find it really easy to blast people, whoever they may be, you know, nameless people, I'm so sick of all these people on Facebook who do, when you do that, you know, like I just did right there, that's a good indication that your relationship with the world is compromised. So if you want to be holy, you got to be in right relationship with the world. Which is to say, what? Holiness is largely unattainable for us. I mean, we want it, we strive for it, we work toward it, but to have all of this in harmony all the time, to have right relationships, fully optimized, healed, vitalized in every direction all the time, I mean, that God is holy, 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 and holy crap, we are not. We just, there is no one righteous, not one. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I mean, we are, we are just not there, friends. But the second half of this verse contains hope. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Meaning what? Meaning you don't have to be terrified of God's holiness. And you're certainly not separate from God because of his holiness. Because this is the God who existed before the foundations of the world. This is the God who knows the numbers of your head, of the hairs on your head. This is the God who bottles your tears. This is the God who formed you in your mother's womb. This God who was, well, he is. This is the God still acting in history today. This is the God still working in you. This is the Spirit of God alive and at work in you, in your mind, renewing you, transforming you, spurring you on to greater acts of love and sacrifice right now. The same God that was there in the beginning is there presently and he's coming again in the future. The promise of new creation, of hope and healing for all the world is still on the table for those who love and serve Jesus Christ. Now that that formula, who was, who is, who is to come, was uh, adopted by early Christian people as, as a, uh, in an Aramaic term. It's, the term's only used once in the entire New Testament. It's used in 1 Corinthians, uh, but it means who was, who is, who is to come. And the, or pardon me, the, it infers who was and is and is to come. And the term is Maranatha, Lord Jesus. It means come quickly, Lord Jesus. Um, and whenever they thought about God existing in these time zones, in these epochs, God of the past, God of the present, God of the future, they would anticipate the full reconciliation of creation with Christ, and they would say, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. Um, And first in the 4th century, and then later in the 14th century, there were entire monastic communities that would chant this word, Maranatha. Um, And they used it as a mantra and a clue to prayer. And it was a way of acknowledging our yearning for God to reconcile all creation to himself. Because if God is holy, it means God is going to be in right relationship with God's self, with you and me, and with everything God has made. That means God is eager to show up in the future. God is eager to show up now because God wants to make right what you and I have bungled up. And so these monks, again in the 4th and 14th century, John Cassian of the desert in the 4th century, John Main later on, they, they, they pray, they say, Come, Lord Jesus, Maranatha, 
And that's my prayer for you and me, is that we would be people who live in anticipation of the future where Christ comes and restores all things, where his holiness permeates the world, and we're all reunited in shalom forever. Lord, make me a servant so I can walk in righteousness. Make me like your son who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he humbled himself. Humbled himself. To human likeness, Lord, make me a servant so I can walk in righteousness. Make me like your son, never trading glory for pride, he ever only praise your holy name. That is why he came He came to save Oh, and was exalted to the highest place yeah. chapter 10, uh, Paul asks a series of kind of rhetorical questions uh, to followers of Jesus. He says, how will people know the gospel if they don't ever hear it? And how will people hear it if no one tells them? And, and then he goes on to say, how beautiful are the feet of people who bring good news? This is a really common theme throughout the scripture. Um, we're told that faith without works is dead. We're told that the only way that people will know that we are followers of Jesus is by our love for each other. And we're also told that God loved the world so much that he sent his only son. Every one of these passages are passages of action, right? Jesus came here. 
God sent his son. People only know the good news of Jesus, the hope of Jesus, if we tell them. Faith without works, the action step behind it, is dead. And I tell you all of this uh, to drive home the point that it is not enough to just believe something. If we have been called by Jesus, which every one of us have, if you're a follower of Jesus, congratulations, you've been called and you've been commissioned. But if all that calling and commission is, is a thought that we have, is a belief that we carry inside of us, it will never be enough for people to know the good news that is offered by Jesus. Which means this, that you and I, followers of Jesus, his church, Westwinds together, we have to do things. Our faith is lived out when we do things. People find out that they are loved by God when they see that love lived out by us. The only way people get to know that, we, that they are loved by God and that we are followers of Jesus is because of the things we do. So here is my commissioning challenge to you today. Do something. Now you might say, well Ben, I don't know what to do. Well, good news, neither do I. <laughs> I don't know what you should do because I don't know your specific context. I don't know the people you're interacting with right now. I don't know the things that God has laid on your heart, um, but you know them and you know what it takes? It takes a little bit of reflection. It takes a little bit of introspection, just a little bit of time searching your heart and asking this question, a question I ask myself every day. God, what have you given me to do today? God, who have you put within my reach today? God, what does it look like for me to live out my faith in active love for the people around me and the world around me today. So that's my challenge for you, my commission to you. God loves you. He has given you his son. He has put his Holy Spirit inside of you. And now it is your turn. So get out there and do something. This is the whole truth. Holiness necessitates right relationship between God, ourselves, others, and all creation's fullness. Grace and peace, everyone. Maranatha and shalom to you beautiful people of God.